You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Numbers chapter 35, verses 1 through 8, Towns for the Levites. Still on the plains of Moab by the Jordan, across from Jericho, God, through Moses, had told the Israelites that once they entered Canaan, they were to divide up the land according to their tribes. But the tribe of Levi was different. Their dwellings were to be cities among the other tribes. This was decided by the patriarch Jacob, also known as Israel, who cursed both Simeon and Levi for their violent response to the rape of their sister Dinah, recorded in Genesis 34. Totally out of proportion to the crime. So he said, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter into their council, let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger, and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their fury, so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob, and disperse them in Israel. So the same thing will happen to the tribe of Simeon. Uh, The second lot came out for the tribe of Simeon according to its clans. Their inheritance lay within the territory of Judah. The inheritance of the Simeonites was taken from the share of Judah because Judah's portion was more than they needed. So the Simeonites received their inheritance within the territory of Judah. And that's from Joshua 19. So this way they would be dispersed among the people where they could do the most good, that is the Levites, in teaching the people. No part of the country was left in spiritual darkness. The Levites would receive 48 cities. These are listed in Joshua 21. They were not inheriting these cities, only living in them. They were also given the pasture lands around each city for their animals to graze. The size of these pasture lands is given. They did not receive land of their own because God was their inheritance. They would farm and receive tithes as their sustenance. These lands were never to pass out of Levitical hands. Verses 9 to 34, Cities of Refuge The number of towns each tribe gives to the Levites is to be in proportion to the size and territory of the tribe. Many towns from a tribe that has many towns, and few from one that has few. This was equitable treatment, not equal treatment. Six of the 48 towns with pasture lands given to the Levites were to be cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. It says that they will be places of refuge from the avenger, so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. These six towns you you give will be your cities of refuge. Give three on this side of the Jordan, and three in Canaan as cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites and for foreigners residing among them, so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee there. The purpose of the cities of refuge that God established for the children of Israel was to provide a place to flee while awaiting a fair trial. There would always be one within a day's journey. Over time, small changes were made so that it was even easier to access these cities. 
the road to it was required to be smooth and clearly marked. Similarly, we find no impediments to Christ in the Gospel itself. The preachers of the Gospel point the way to the only refuge. In a case of murder, justice was carried out by the nearest relative, called the Avenger of Blood. This was not an issue if it was premeditated murder. God demanded capital punishment. But if this was a case of involuntary manslaughter, there needed to be a trial. So the accused person needed protection until they could stand trial. This was a provision for both Israelites and foreigners who lived among them. And these cities needed to be close enough to most other towns so that they could flee there quickly. Therefore God assigned three on the east side of the Jordan and told them to choose um, three more cities once they arrived in Canaan. Then God explains the difference between murder and manslaughter. Intent. If anyone strikes someone a fatal blow with an iron object, that person is a murderer. The murderer is to be put to death. Or if anyone is holding a stone and strikes someone a fatal blow with it, that person is a murderer. The murderer is to be put to death. Or if anyone is holding a wooden object and strikes someone a fatal blow with it, that person is a murderer. The murderer is to be put to death. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when the avenger comes upon the murderer. The avenger shall put the murderer to death. If anyone with malice aforethought shoves another or throws something at them intentionally so that they die, or if out of enmity one person hits another with their fist so that the other dies, that person is to be put to death. That person is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when they meet. So, these are clear cases of murder with or without a weapon and justice is to be carried out. But if without enmity someone suddenly pushes another or throws something at them unintentionally or without seeing them drops on them a stone heavy enough to kill them and they die, then since that other person was not an enemy and no harm was intended, the assembly must judge between the accuser accused and the avenger of blood according to these regulations. The assembly must protect the one accused of murder from the avenger of blood and send the accused back to the city of refuge to which they fled. The accused must stay there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. So this marked the end of one era and the beginning of another. And Deuteronomy 19:5 and 6 gives an example. For instance, a man may go out into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and as he swings his axe uh, to fell a tree, the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue him in a rage, overtake him if the distance is too great, and kill him, even though he is not deserving of death, since he did it to his neighbor without malice aforethought. So the man knows how this could look. It happened um, with his friend. His axe head is buried in his neighbor's head, who is very clearly dead. Someone must pay. It's the duty of his neighbor's nearest relative to exact justice on behalf of their dead relative. 
As soon as his body is discovered, they'll put the facts together with the absent man and, and a manhunt will ensue. What to do? Where to go? There were no legal aid clinics, no police stations, and no 911 to call. The man's only option? Drop the axe and run. As fast and as far as he could. Possibly never see his family again. So here we see the same, some of the same actions like throwing something or pushing a person, but the difference is on whether it was intentional or unintentional. Also, the past relationship with the person is a factor, as is the suddenness of it, which today is called a crime of passion. The victim may not have seen, uh, have been seen by the person throwing or dropping the object which caused their death. All these factors must be considered when judging the case. The accused was safe as long as they stayed in the city of refuge until their trial. If they were found guilty, they would be executed. If they were innocent of murder, they could remain and continue to live in one of those cities. So the purpose of these places was to give the person a chance to have his day in court. It saved him from the avenger of blood, the near relative of the dead person, so that he could tell what happened, instead of just being presumed guilty and summarily executed. The, the place of asylum was used in cases of manslaughter or accidental death. The facts of the case needed to be determined. That would make all the difference in sentencing. But if the accused ever goes outside the limits of the city of refuge to which they fled, and the avenger of blood finds them outside the city, the avenger of blood may kill the accused without being guilty of murder. The accused must stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Only after the death of the high priest may they return to their own property. There was a limit placed on this exile of sorts. Once the current high priest would die, they could return to their own tribal inheritance. The Mishnah stated that traditionally the high priest's mother would supply clothing and food for the asylum seekers so they wouldn't wish for the death of her son. Then a few general comments. This is to have the force of law for you throughout the generations to come wherever you live. So this was the law of the land throughout Israel for all time. Then anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses but no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. So the standard for capital punishment was to be based on multiple witnesses. If there was only one witness to the murder, the person would be charged with manslaughter instead of murder. And this ensured that a person was not executed based on false te testimony of one person. The congregation was tasked with determining the motive in the death. If it could not be determined with certainty, or if there were not multiple witnesses, they erred on the side of caution and went with the lesser charge of manslaughter and allowed the person to claim refuge. Then, do not accept a ransom for the life of a murderer who deserves to die. They are to be put to death. This meant they should not take a bribe to exonerate a person they knew to be guilty of murder. Do not accept a ransom for anyone who has fled to a city of refuge and so allow them to go back and live on their own land before the death of the high priest. They had to ensure that a person who was using the provision of cities of refuge must abide by the rules or forfeit their lives.
Do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land, and atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. Do not defile the land where you live and where I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the Israelites. So even when death was inadvertent, the shedding of blood polluted the land. If the whole land became polluted, God would no longer dwell among them. So murder needed to be atoned for by the death of the murderer, because people are made in the image of God. Genesis 9, 5, and 6. Also, notice the many terms and phrases that are still used in our system of law and justice today. Accused, manslaughter, murder, malice aforethought, testimony, stand trial, and no harm was intended. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? The Israelites were to provide towns for the Levites to live in and tithes to support them. Those who preach the gospel should be supported by those who benefit from it. That God appointed such places as cities of refuge shows his grace and his concern for justice. He has not changed. We can run to him and confess, be heard and find safety from the wrath of God in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. The six cities of refuge were within a day's journey. If we search for God, we will find him, for he is not far from any one of us. This directive to build cities of refuge on the surface was a practical solution for a just society. But it's also a scarlet thread. It's a picture of Jesus and the protection from judgment we experience when we are found hidden in him. Christ is our city of refuge. You and I aren't falsely accused. We really are guilty. We are guilty of a capital crime. We are responsible for the death of the king's son. Our situation could not be worse. Yet the king himself provides sanctuary for his enemies. We flee to the very one we have wronged. When we look up into his face, what do we find? Censure? Condemnation? Wrath? Oh no, we find forgiveness, shelter, safety, security. What we deserve is everlasting punishment. What we receive is pardon and the benevolent protection and care of the very one we have wronged. According to Joshua 20, 4 and 5, when the fugitive arrived at the entrance to the city, he was required to state the facts of his case. Since it was not a trial, they were required to admit him and provide a dwelling place for him. They were not to turn him over to his pursuers. Doesn't Christ also take us in and provide for us? He never turns us away, even after he's heard our story. Indeed, we're required to repent to gain entrance. The gates of the city were open day and night. We can also flee to Christ for refuge at any time. Once we are safe in Christ, he will not turn us back over to our enemies. However, if we leave our refuge, we have no hope because there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. The cities of refuge were not for the Israelites alone, but for any foreigner who lived in Israel. This prefigured the inclusion of the Gentiles in the gospel. The promise to Abraham was so that all the nations of the world would be blessed. 
and while the person was in the city of refuge, they were safe. No one could harm them. But if at any time they left, they were on their own. They could be killed with impunity. Likewise, since we are in Christ, we are safe and secure. But if we reject the only solution God has provided, there are no other sacrifices to cover our sins. We are lost. These places were for those guilty of the death of another person, but not intentional murder. We may not have murdered someone, but we are guilty of it if we have hated them in our hearts. If a person fled to the city of refuge but died just outside the wall, how tragic! A person outside of Noah's Ark would drown. A person who is within a yard of Christ but has not trusted in him will be lost. It is an awful thing to die just outside of safety. The person had to stay there until the death of the high priest, intimating that someone had to die for the death of one made in God's image. Then they could return to their land of inheritance. Jesus had to die so that we could leave our place of exile and receive our inheritance. The case was dismissed when the high priest died. Likewise, because of the death of this high priest, we are free. God provided these cities of refuge so that people could have hope of justice and they would not die. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and even now he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The cities of refuge were planned into the promised land from the beginning. We have a place to flee. Christ is our city of refuge. There we are safe from the one who desires our destruction, the enemy of our souls. We flee to the only one who can be our protector, the one who designed the place of refuge into his plans from the beginning. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Numbers chapter 36. May God bless the study of his word.